Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Melanie Davis. And I'm Ireland Meacham. And, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just uh, us today. <laughs> just us. Justin and Frankie are off gallivanting around the world. and uh, Or here at thing. home. Yeah. And <laughs> they left us with the keys to uh, the car. So uh, here we go. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. Come We're along with us. We're joyriding. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what's going on with you this week? Really not much. Just, uh, well, I went to the, I went to Lake Griffey today yeah. for the first time. My sister was doing a photography project and oh, she wanted yeah. me to model for it. Ooh. So we went out to Griffey and took some pictures. It was really nice. And yeah, cause it's like the first warm day in right. forever. It's spring. It felt so nice to be outside for once. And Griffey is a beautiful place for it that. It is. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, all of my daughter's photos from Griffey, like just turn out magical Mm -hmm. so i I love that place how are you doing oh well (laughs) this has been a very busy week for me um i have been uh all over uh uh, indiana pretty much Mm -hmm. i i was up at the state house on tuesday uh lobbying and being present while uh things were going on with uh lgbt um bills Mm -hmm. lgbt related bills the uh hate crimes bill uh Mm -hmm. was kind of worming its way through. And that's SB uh, 198 for those of you uh, listening at home. And then um, there's also HB 182, which uh, we are hoping that that kind of fades into obscurity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the the requirement to get your um, birth certificate changed before you get your driver's license changed. Oh, okay. So that that kind of slipped through, but we got to talk. I'll I'll go into detail more with mm-hmm. who we were with and who we talked to. And yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, later that, that, that was kind of fun. And there's a lot of lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. uh, around that. But uh, exciting and nerve wracking <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, there it just doesn't let up this time of year because all across the United States, there's all of these bills that are trying to go through, and uh, very few of them are. are Affirmative mm-hmm. of LGBT people, mm-hmm. and but we do have we do have our our supporters there too. So yeah. there are folks fighting on on our side. Yeah, great. What's going on across the country? Yeah, we've got some news from NBC. Um, a majority of Americans across every state and almost every demographic and almost every demographic support LGBTQ non-discrimination protections, according to a poll released Tuesday by the nonprofit research firm Public Religion. Research Institute. 
The nonpartisan organization's American Values Atlas survey found that 69% of Americans support broad non-discrimination protections for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. That includes majorities in all major religions, from 90% of Unitarian Universalists to 53% of Jehovah's Witnesses. PRRI CEO Robert Jones told NBC News, quote, I still think that certainly in today's polarized climate, it's quite remarkable on any issue to be able to say there's bipartisan cross-religious support on an issue and much less one like an issue like LGBT rights, one that's historically controversial. And to be able to say that there's majority support in all 50 states for that policy as well is significant. While the report characterizes the support for LGBTQ non-discrimination protections among Americans as stable, it in fact declined uh, from 71% in 2015 to 69% in 2018. Margin of error is 0.5%. One pronounced uh, decline was among Republicans. There was a five percentage point drop in support. In 2015, Uh, 61% of Republicans supported LGBTQ non-discrimination protections, while in 2018, that support fell to 56%. The report explains that, quote, Notably, among Republicans, this drop in support has been concentrated among those who showed the highest support for LGBT protections just a few years ago. One demographic slice with comparatively low support and strong opposition is that of Republicans, 65 and older. Just 48% support LGBTQ protections, while 42% oppose them. Noting the polls are a snapshot in time, Jones said, quote, There are fewer liberal Republicans today than there were in 2015 and fewer younger Republicans today than in 2015. They've moved into the independent category. Another group with a relatively low overall support for LGBTQ protections is the evangelical Christians, whose attitudes are highly structured by party affiliation, the report found. The poll found that 47% of white evangelical Republicans support LGBTQ protections compared to 58% of white evangelical independents and 71% of white evangelical Democrats. The report notes that attitudes towards this political question are highly segmented by age. A majority, 63% of white evangelical Protestants ages 18 to 29 support non-discrimination laws, while 45% of those ages 65 and older do. A version of that age gap, younger people expressing greater LGBTQ support than their older co-religionists, exists across many religious groups, according to the report, including black Protestants, white mainline Protestants, white Catholics, Hispanic Catholics, and the religiously unaffiliated. The poll also queried respondents about an unsettled area of constitutional law, whether small businesses may refuse to serve LGBTQ people because of their religious beliefs. While 57% of Americans oppose allowing businesses to discriminate, respondents from two major religious groups, white evangelical Protestants and Mormons, support allowing it it, at 55% and 54% respectively. The report states that, quote, while determining causality between events in the news and public opinion is notoriously difficult, opposition to religiously based service refusals of gay and lesbian people declined across virtually every demographic in the two months after the highly publicized Masterpiece Cake Shop decision, in which the U.S. Supreme Court narrowly ruled in favor of religious baker Jack Phillips, who had refused to bake a wedding cake for a same-sex couple. PRRI debuted some of its findings earlier this month in order to highlight its conclusions regarding support for a bill resembling the Equality Act, which Democrats reintroduced earlier, earlier this month.
The Equality Act would add sexual orientation and gender identity to the classes protected by the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and other civil rights laws. So that's good news. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In short. (laughs) And who would have thought of that? I mean, when um, I started really paying attention to national news back in the 90s, there was the the support was abysmal. Mm-hmm. And and now we have a majority supporting equal rights. This isn't even the hate crimes law, right? This right. is just supportive of our everyday equal rights. Equal right. rights. And that's amazing. Yeah, and it's I mean, you know, it some people may say it's surprising, but honestly it doesn't really surprise me because I feel like, you know, as a society we're moving towards more um liberal views on uh, you know, just you know basic human rights and equality and and it doesn't surprise me that a lot of the religious groups too are still in support of you know because i feel like at the heart of any religion is just to be kind to people right Right. and a lot of people are um a lot of people don't practice that even though they're religious but um you know it it makes me happy to hear that that's that's um, becoming more common. And can, I, can I tell you a story? Yeah. So um, yesterday I was on, F- the, the day after I was at the State House, I was on a couple of gender panels at IU. And then I went to go and, um, you know, pick my daughter up and do dinner and all that stuff. And while I was there waiting, a, a couple of girls came up and they were talking about school and stuff with, with another group of kids. And you know, I was just kind of sitting there, and they, they'd mentioned, because uh, everybody's going up to high school next year, mm-hmm. and so they'd mentioned that um, they were from a, a certain local Christian school who may have been in the, the spotlight earlier mm-hmm. uh, this year, last year, uh, for not accepting children of mm-hmm. of LGBT folk or LGBT kids. Right. And, uh, and so I said, oh, okay, well... You know, your school wouldn't have accepted uh, my child because of of that uh, of their policies, mm-hmm. and they didn't know what I was talking about. So I I kind of just basically filled them in. I wasn't trying to get into an argument or anything about that. I was just mm-hmm. like, well, this this is what happened. Right. And they're like, well, why would why would you worry about that? And I said, well, because I I'm half the rainbow. <laughs> and and they said, what do you mean? And so I went off. I'm like, I'm bi, I'm intersex, I'm trans. Um, and, and yeah, I kind of identify with the queer side of things, too. And they were stunned. And mm-hmm. they, they were like, well, tell us more. And so I, I had, like, a beautiful little space there. And I, I just sat back and I kept it, to, you know, age appropriate. There's right. no talk of anything, uh, you know. Yeah. Adult, right? And I, I just went through everything, mm-hmm. and they sat there, and then the the um, attendant came over, and they're like, "Well, you know, you're kind of an adult, and I should be asking you to to move, mosey on, but uh, everybody's listening." So there was like a group a little bit farther away, and then there's the group that was around me, and right. another uh, a kid came over and sat down, and they were asking questions, and they were really engaged, and they were really they really wanted to understand. And, you know, at the end of it, um, they were like, well, that's that's really great. Now we we, we get it more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't we don't believe that, you know, you should be uh, 
you, you should have fewer rights or that mm-hmm. you should be discriminated against. You know, we're, we're for love for all, right? Which is exactly what they're talking about, you know, that religion is there um, preaching love. Right. And I thought that is beautiful. That's you know, amazing, yeah. That's the side of the story that you don't hear. You don't yeah. hear from, And I just, I, that's made me glow all night and yeah. <laughs> today too because I've I just been really excited about that. And their parents taught them that. So their parents are my age, I'm guessing, and um, and from my generation. And that just gives me hope mm-hmm. that we can pull out of this uh, morass yeah. um, and, and into a brighter future. So Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And I think kids in general are just um, – at, at, before they're taught anything are are unbiased they're not discriminatory you know people mm-hmm. learn to be hateful i feel like love is inherent you know right so yeah. that's amazing that they're just seeing it at that base level and um yeah that, that's a heartwarming story i love that <laughs> that's and, great and you know that isn't when you're just not going to hear that um, yeah but that i do encounter in our community and, and places that I go, um, we're going to have a, a talk, and I'll talk about more of this again, mm-hmm. uh, around the Western Skateland mm-hmm. uh, uh, debacle. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to uh, be kind of co-hosting this roundtable where people can just discuss what they feel about it and how they uh, how they relate to it, and, and we listen to each other. Mm-hmm. And that community-based sort of uh, approach to to understanding and making each other real instead of opponents, you know? Yeah. We're not sitting across some imaginary aisle or there's a, a imaginal line or something like that. We are together in this community. We yeah. pass each other in in the, um, you know, in the mall. We pass each other. If anybody goes to the mall, I don't go to the mall. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, the grocery store, we, right. we're among each other and we depend on each other uh, to make this town run and mm-hmm. so they make this country run mm-hmm. so yeah uh, things run a lot easier when everyone's just nice to each other they do <laughs> truly uh, so <laughs> what do we have about the new it the latest in uh this big case from yeah well this is people not being <laughs> nice to each other yeah well <laughs> um okay out of chicago uh, infuriating the mayor and police chief, prosecutors abruptly dropped all charges against Jesse Smollett on Tuesday after the Empire actor accused of, was accused of faking a racist anti-gay attack on himself and agreed to keep uh, let the city keep his $10,000 in bail, $10,000 in bail, but he maintained his innocence and insisted he was attacked. Prosecutors said they still believe Smollett concocted the assault. They gave no detailed explanation for why they abandoned the case only five weeks after filing the charges and threatening to pursue Smollett for the cost of a month-long investigation. The dismissal drew an immediate backlash. Mayor Rahm Emanuel called the deal a whitewash of justice and lashed out at Smollett for dragging the city's reputation, quote, through the mud in a quest to advance his career. At one point, he asked, is there no decency in this man? Um, (laughs) Smollett's attorneys said his record was, quote, wiped clean of the 16 felony accounts uh, related to making a false report that he was assaulted by two men. The actor, who also agreed to do community service, insisted that he had been truthful and consistent on every single level since day one. Smollett told reporters after a court hearing, quote, I would not be my mother's son if I was capable of one drop of what I was being accused of. He thanked the state of Illinois, quote, for attempting to do what's right. 
In a statement, a spokeswoman for the Cook County Prosecutor's Office said the dismissal came after a re- after reviewing all of the facts and circumstances of the case. Tondra uh, Simonton called it a just disposition and appropriate resolution, but said it was not an exoneration. First Assistant State's Attorney Joseph Maggots said uh, prosecutors, quote, stand behind the investigation and the facts. When dropping cases, prosecutors will sometimes insist that the defendant accepts at least a measure of responsibility. Outside court, neither Smollett nor his legal team appeared to concede anything about his original report in January. Defense attorney Patricia Brown Holmes said Smollett was, quote, attacked by two people he was unable to identify and, quote, was a victim who was vilified and made to appear as a perpetrator. Authorities alleged that Smollett, who is black and gay, knew the men and arranged for them to pretend to attack him. Emmanuel, who leaves his office in May after two terms, said the hoax could endanger other gay people who, who report hate crimes by casting doubt on whether they are telling the truth. Chicago's top prosecutor, Cook County State's attorney Kim Fox, recused herself from the investigation before Smollett was charged, citing conversations she had with a Smollett family member. Many legal experts were surprised by the dismissal, especially especially since it did not include any condition that Smollett apologized and admit admit orchestrating the attack. Smollett reported that he was attacked around 2 a.m. on January 29th in downtown Chicago. Investigators said he made the false report because he was unhappy with his pay on Empire and believed it would promote his career. Police said Smollett hired two men, both of whom are black, to attack him. Smollett allegedly paid the men $3,500. The men were brothers uh, uh, Ebimbola, Abel and Olabinio. I don't... <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the Frankie with the names here. Close enough. Hola. Osindario. And one of the men had worked on Empire. An attorney for them has said the brothers agreed to help Smollett because of their friendship with him and the sense that he was helping their careers. They declined to comment. Holmes refused to answer questions about whether Smollett's team would seek legal action against the two. Smollett said he wanted, quote, nothing more to do than to get back to work. But his future with the show is unclear. Shortly after the charges were filed, producers announced that his character would be removed from the final two episodes of the season. Fox Television, which produces Empire, issued one sentence statement late Tuesday saying that only the company w- only that the company was gratified that the charges had been dropped. Gosh, <laughs> I just don't even know what to think about all of this. Right. It's been like and the fact that it, you know, the case is just dropped and closed and everything, like the public is never going to find out what really happened mm-hmm. unless, you know, one of the attorneys spills the beans or something like that. But I don't know. Which kind of drives me crazy, but um, yeah. What do you think? It's you, messy. Yeah, it's terrible. And I apologize for my voice. I'm still going through some sort of seasonal change here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, people got so um, immediately caught up in it, mm-hmm. and and then it was ripped. You know, it ripped people apart. Right. You know, they'd been very vociferous about how. Uh, you know, he was attacked and this is anti-gay and this is terrible. And then maybe it was uh, orchestrated and then everybody was saying it definitely was. Mm-hmm. And people kind of dropped it like a hot potato yeah. and didn't want to address it anymore. And it is dangerous um, because people are already disbelieving yeah. gay men. Mm-hmm. Um, you go on any report of, of an attack of LGBT people mm-hmm. and, oh, Especially this was... Especially 
um, LGBT, LGBT people of color. Yes. Yeah. And, oh, well, this was, this was preplanned. This was orchestrated. This wasn't, it wasn't a real attack. And, right, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I feel like we're stuck in between a rock and a hard place because, like, on the one side, if it's true that he was attacked and all of this is being made up, that he was orchestrating it, that's so damaging to him and to, you know, people who are attacked. But, and it's completely unfair to, you know, someone who was legitimately attacked if, that's, if that was the case. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if it was orchestrated, that is also horrible, like, and discrediting people who were actually attacked. And I just, I don't know what to think about it, but it's, it is a whole messy situation. And that's, that's where I, I mean, when I hear these things, I always side with the victim Mm -hmm. initially. Right. Me too. Um, Because you really, victims don't get that much support. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and they're constantly dismissed, especially again, if they're from a minority community uh, or a double minority or a triple minority. And then, you know, um, the more that, that uh, d- dismissive uh, um, uh, qualities people can, bigoted people can tack onto that, you know, it life is, is rough. And that's what contributes to not uh, coming forward yeah, uh, and not reporting because... Because yeah. what if you get, you know, yeah. what if... Um, things turn against you mm-hmm. right your name gets drugged through the mud right people attack you it's mm-hmm. it's rough but at the same time the people of chicago are furious if this was an orchestrated thing that it I've, I've heard a lot of things about complaints that it'll you know um make chicago look bad and everything which um i feel like it's only brought more attention to chicago but i'm i'm from up by chicago mm-hmm. and i feel like chicago's reputation is pretty <laughs> It's in need of a good polish. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> going back to prohibition times and, and rogue cows with lanterns and mm-hmm. things like that. So, um, yeah, Chicago doesn't need any help in the bad news department. Yeah. But they've uh, it, they've yeah. got enough of their own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is another uh, just another brick in that hole. Yeah. Thing. So. Uh, yeah, I've got another story from Please. Gay Star News. Please go forward. <laughs> <laughs> Using data from the 2015 to 2017 Center for Disease Control and Prevention's Youth Risk Behavior Survey, survey the Trevor Project released a new report about the health of bisexual youth in the United States. On the whole, they found bisexual youth reported higher rates of suicide ideation, bullying, and other negative experiences. In the CDC's data, as restated in the report, 7% of youth identified as bisexual compared to 2% as gay or lesbian and 4% as not sure. Between their fellow peers in the LGBTI community and heterosexual peers, there exists a disparity. Researchers found this both in mental health and victimization. Overall, bisexual youth reported higher rates of various mental health struggles than all their peers. When asked if they felt sad or hopeless, either seriously cons- ever seriously considered suicide or attempted suicide, bisexual youth had the highest affirmative responses. A majority of bisexual youth, 66%, reported feeling hopeless or sad. In comparison, 27% of straight youth reported this, as well as 49% of gay lesbian youth. When it comes to suicide ideation, 48% of bisexual youth have seriously considered it. 27% have actually attempted suicide. 
Among gay and lesbian youth, these numbers are 37% and 19%, respectively. Further, bisexual youth also have the highest rates of reporting bullying on school in school and online. They also report the highest rates of experiencing forced sexual intercourse. Um, we'll call that rape. Yeah. Uh, 21% say they've been forced into sexual intercourse, and another 36% and 30% say they've been bullied at school and online, respectively. As Amy Green, director of research for the Trevor Project, noted, bisexual youth are more likely to experience victimization, depressed mood, and suicide attempts than their straight, lesbian, and gay peers. These disparities are likely related to increased minority stress faced by bisexual youth who may be stigmatized by both straight and gay or lesbian communities, she continued. There is stigma surrounding the bisexual community based on negative stereotypes and myths. Some of these myths include bisexual people not being able to make up their mind or being promiscuous. Green said, quote, enhancing youth coping skills and social support can mitigate the link between stigmatization and negative outcomes, which is why the Trevor Project's crisis services operates 24-7 to provide the support to bisexual youth as well as all LGBTQ youth in crisis. And just as a reminder, if you know, if you or someone you know is feeling hopeless or suicidal, contact the Trevor Project's Trevor Lifeline 24-7-365 at 1-866-488-7386. Again, that's 1-866-488-7386. Counseling is all of, also available via chat every day at thetrevorproject.org slash help or by texting 678-678. Wow. Yeah, that is, um, I mean, there's, it's good that there's data on that now because I definitely know that that's a true statement just by talking to people I know, you know, and it's especially hard for people who feel like they're stigmatized even within the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stereotypes and like they said, myths and, um, that, that go along with, um, uh, be, uh, that bisexual people are accused of, and especially for bisexual youths, it's um, super hard when you don't know, like, you don't know, like, what, um, yeah, this is an emotional <laughs> subject, but uh, yeah, when you don't know what to do. And um, so it's good to know those numbers, and the Trevor Project is a great organization yes. that um, has helped so, so many LGBTQ people um, get through, and yeah, so... Yeah, and that's that's we've been talking a lot about high schools here mm-hmm. and GSAs, and um, the the support that coming together mm-hmm. can can really offer people. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, again, getting it from your own community is is rough, mm-hmm. um, and and having that you know pressure put on you and and where do you fit in? Um, I get that, and I'm really uh, happy this has been brought out into the light. I, yeah. it, it surprised me that that it was that high yeah um i yeah i wish i wasn't surprised right but, and yeah. and at a time okay so we used to talk about trans people having the group and they didn't include trans people in in this uh, uh the numbers for trans right. kids in here mm-hmm. um which is but important I feel there's, to now so yeah yeah but there's there's a spotlight on trans folk mm-hmm. that um bi people just don't get right and uh and so this is hopefully good hopefully it'll It'll help maybe parents talk to their kids mm-hmm. a little bit more about that's being so supportive. Important. Yeah, um, because really that that's what helps the most mm-hmm. is 
your your culture at home and the support you get from your family. Yeah. Um, more than the GSAs, more than their peer groups. It's still, you know, for anybody up through high school and college, it's still the home environment. Mm-hmm. I know that there is some data that the um, the rate of suicide and um, suicidal thoughts bet- um, between LGBT youth that, who have supportive parents mm-hmm. and who mm-hmm. don't have supportive parents, the disparity is huge. Yes. So. Yeah. yeah. I've seen those. And, and I don't know. I, I feel particularly uh, sensitive about this just because there's so many kids coming out. Yeah. And, um, and just being around uh, youth and watching watching people who are able to become themselves early on and just express themselves, the joy mm-hmm. that they have, um, that that brings me joy. So hopefully these numbers will trend downward. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Um, do you think we should take a music break? I think we Lighten should. Lighten the take, mood a little bit? Not just a music break. I think it's it's probably a music and community mm-hmm. uh, uh, updates. So take it away. listening to blooming out here on wfhb just wanted to let everyone know in the community that tomorrow is the beginning of our fun drive 
Um, it will be going on through the next week. Um, this is a call to action to remind listeners to call 812-323-1200 or donate online at WFHB.org. Um, WFHB needs your support, your community radio station. All right, now it's time for some updates. This week in the community, we have lots of stuff going on. On Tuesday night, we have Honky Tonk Tuesday at the Blockhouse on April 2nd from 9 until 11 p.m. Um, this is actually every Tuesday from 9 to 11 at the Blockhouse, bringing all your country classics and rock and roll favorites performed by our ragtag Honky Tonk Tuesday house band. And we also have on Thursday poetry workshop and poetry reading at Brown County Public Library. Um, April is National Poetry Month. IU professor Katherine Bowman and an MFA graduate student will lead a two-hour poetry workshop and reading session at the Brown County Public Library. And just so everybody knows, um, this is your community calendar and you can submit events to be published on the community calendar by emailing calendars at wfhb.org at least one week in advance. Um, You're currently listening to It's Real, X-Hex, the song Tough Enough. And in just a minute, we'll be right back with Blooming Out. Welcome back, everyone. We've got some local news for you now um, about a local high school in Indianapolis. Um, this was a story that had come up before, but mm-hmm. it has brought itself back around. So a uh, second Roncalli High School guidance counselor has been told she will lose her job because she is in a same-sex marriage. A lawyer for Lynn Starkey, co-director of guidance with Shelley Fitzgerald, says Roncalli officials told her that her contract will not be renewed for the 2019-2020 school year. Attorney Kathleen Delaney said she will amend a discrimination charge Starkey filed in November with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission to include the fact that Starkey is losing her job. Delaney said Monday in an emailed statement that, quote, Starkey's 39 years of exemplary employment, including Teacher of the Year recognition in 2009, will end because she is in a same-sex marriage and because she filed discrimination complaints. The Archdiocese, in an email from spokesman Greg Atulski, said the Catholic school's staff staff and teachers are employed on one-year contracts that do not automatically renew. Um, He said, quote, Ms. Starkey is currently in breach of her contract with Roncalli High School because she is in a civil union that is considered contrary to a valid marriage as seen through the eyes of the Catholic Church. The 2019-2020 contract language, language will contain this same language. Therefore, Ms. Starkey could not in good faith enter into the contract so long as she is unable to abide by the terms of the contract, he said. Delaney said the Archdiocese of Indianapolis runs more than 60 schools and and employs thousands of people. Delaney said, quote, we are confident that many, if not most of these employees, do not follow all of the church's teachings all of the time. She also said, quote, we are shocked and saddened that Roncalli and the Archdiocese have, char- have targeted this exemplary di- guidance counselor for discriminatory and retaliatory enforcement of church doctrine. Starkey has been married to her spouse since 2015. She worked alongside Fitzgerald, another counselor placed on leave in August after Roncalli learned that Fitzgerald had been married to another woman. 
Fitzgerald's sudden removal from her job sparked protests and national media attention, including an appearance on the Ellen DeGeneres popular talk show. Soon after Fitzgerald's suspension, Ron Colley posted a statement on Facebook explaining that all employees must support the teachings of the Catholic Church, including the belief that marriage is, quote, between a man and a woman. The expectation is defined in employee contracts and job descriptions, the school said. Uh, the statement said, quote, when the expectations of a contract are not being met, the employee and the school will attempt to reach a solution so that the contractual requirements are fulfilled. The Facebook statement has since been removed. Oh, well, yeah. before we get into discussion on this, we have uh, a news report from our very own daily local news anchor, Benedict Jones, and then an interview uh, with J.D. Ford. Uh, Another guidance counselor at a Catholic high school in Indianapolis is being fired after she was outed to the school's administration. Lynn Starkey is the second counselor to be informed her contract will not be renewed for the next school year after her marriage to a woman was outed to Roncalli High School's administration. Starkey worked for Roncalli High School for 39 years, according to the Indy Star. Starkey is expected to have her name added to a wrongful termination lawsuit, alongside that of fellow former counselor Shelley Fitzgerald. The Archdiocese of Indianapolis issued the same statement over Starkey's termination as they did over last year's firing of Fitzgerald. Quote, Miss Starkey is currently in breach of her contract with Ron Kelly High School because she is in a civil union that is considered contrary to a valid marriage, as seen through the eyes of the Catholic Church, unquote. Indiana State Senator J.D. Ford, who made history last year as the state's first openly gay politician to win a seat in the legislature, condemned Ron Colley and called into question their taxpayer funding. You know, for me, it's, it's very concerning that the Ron Colley administration is picking and choosing, you know, what to enforce. And in my opinion, because it's state taxpayer dollars, it now becomes the purview of the General Assembly to step in to prevent any further discrimination in any school that receives public funds. Our public taxpayer dollars should not be used to discriminate against any Hoosier because of who they love. Some of the the conversation has turned to, well, it's a private school, and so the state has no business telling them what to do, and I, and I wholly disagree with that. Um, if this was truly a private school where no taxpayer dollars are used, if this was a private school with a private contract between an employee and the administration, then they're right. Then I don't have the purview or jurisdiction to insert, you know, my thoughts on this. But that's not the case here. Ron Colley is receiving choice scholarship money from our state, and that money is then turned around against students, staff, in this particular case, staff, to either be terminated, to be placed on leave, or to not renew the contract. So I'm, I'm just concerned about the situation uh, because I think that this is sending the wrong message to people um, in our state. And frankly, you know, I think this goes to the larger conversation of uh, the administration cherry-picking uh, who they're enforcing these rules against. Former Ron Colley High School counselor Starkey has been married to her spouse since 2015. The Indy Star reports she worked alongside Fitzgerald, whose marriage to another woman was outed to school administrators in August. Well then, yeah, uh, it happens again. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm wondering how many people are living in fear yeah. of, of this coming out, of being outed. 
it seems like the 90s all over again when right. people were being outed for mm-hmm. um, for who they were because of the stances that they took. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy to me because we have all these civil rights protections and everything for, you know, in the law, but a lot of times LGBTQ people um, aren't, people don't count them under that. Right. And it's blatant discrimination. People are losing their job for their, because of their identity. And that's absolutely not okay. I totally agree with J.D. Ford that, you know, if if this was a pri- truly a private school that was not s- receiving any state fund, I guess we couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. But they are receiving state funding for scholarships. And, um, yeah, and, I mean, it's just making it seem like Indiana supports, you know, and we've already had so many of these, um, well, with our – our current VP who came from the good old home state of Indiana. Um, <laughs> we've, I mean, we've already had stories like this. People think the whole country thinks Indiana is like this and there truly are some really good people in Indiana. And I feel like this is just continuing to show that like, yeah, I agree with Ford that it's just, it's ridiculous and we need to take action against this. Like, right. And I think that the, the people, um, people who espouse these ideas that that we are uh, different or a danger or uh, some sort of um, separate class of people right view themselves as a separate class too right so they are able to just treat others other citizens mm-hmm. differently because they have deeply held religious beliefs I have deeply held religious beliefs right you know we all do, but I don't expect that anyone else should live their life according to my deeply held religious beliefs. Absolutely. You know, and, I agree. And that that's like saying the church is its own state, you know? Right. And it is unassailable mm-hmm. and whatever it declares, decrees, is is okay because they have you know, the right to, to practice their religion. Right. I feel like there's a certain level of ego that goes into this mm-hmm. and you know a sense of oh well my religion is the only correct religion and right you know people a should follow my that. rules right and i know and that's i feel like that's a problematic thing to think because there are so many religions and different viewpoints and everything and that's what makes diversity is what makes humanity humanity like right. no one is the same and i feel like you know to you know to support discrimination as part of your own religious beliefs that just seems ridiculous to me i don't know well and but that's been right, what right. it's been since right i know the beginning you know you're gonna use the i'm the, repeating an old story but but it's still repeating yeah and that's that's the big problem here and to get to the to tie the the cake making and the floral uh, arrangements and the the photography mm-hmm. uh for for weddings and this together, again, if you're going to be working within the the laws of the state, mm-hmm. right, um, when you have one of those businesses, you have to have a business license. Right. If you were just doing it out of your kitchen or, you know, back room, that's one thing. But if you have a business license for the state of Indiana, you have to follow the laws of the state of Indiana. If you have a business license and you have – uh, you're doing business as an official uh, uh, company. You have to follow the laws of the state 
and the federal government. So to just throw those out the window because, you know, uh, it doesn't jive with your personal ethics. You know, if we all did that, we wouldn't be able to live together. Yeah, basically, that's, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Like, if we, if we can't, you know, accept that other people have different beliefs or that maybe we shouldn't spread hate (laughs) around um, and discrimination and, and all of that. Yeah, we just wouldn't be able to function as a society, you know? Right. So. Right. And yeah. Well, that's a, that's a fight that's long in the running. And I think right now would be a great time to take a, a second music break. Mm-hmm.
Welcome back. That was Rainbow Shiner by X Hex. I like that. Me too. That's lots of fun. I was vibing with that. Yeah. Good choice in the music. Thanks, Lucas. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, for the rest of the hour, I want to talk about some of the stuff that I've been doing this week. Uh, Yeah. I'm excited to hear this. So, and really not me. I'm kind of one small part of this giant machine, uh, a little itty bitty cog or a very large cog but not very important hey uh, but we all, all machines are. need every part to work we so. all are mm-hmm. and um uh so i am part of a a group that is is uh really just going gung-ho and mm-hmm. we have tireless people at the top uh katie blair who we, we've talked about before and kit malone mm-hmm. uh with the aclu and uh the uh trans uh education and advocacy program at TEEP, and they are just tireless. Mm-hmm. They work so hard all day and all night, really, to to meet with representatives and senators and look at all of these bills and amendments. And do you know how long that takes? Gosh, probably so long. <laughs> right, forever. And um, and I get to. I get to be a part of that, and it's really rewarding. Yeah. So I was invited up to the state house to represent, um, to just be there mm-hmm. and talk with representatives if they were available. And we did get a chance to talk with uh, senators and representatives, and just to show that we're there and we're watching. Yeah. And we see you, and especially with some of the ways that these bills and amendments have been thrown together in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and tossed in without any kind of review, mm-hmm. without announcement. And if you look at what's come out uh, of that, it's really damaging. Yeah. Um, the hate crimes uh, bill, quote unquote hate crimes bill, right? Uh, has been changed so much from what it used to be, uh, which was inclusive, it had, um, it had very definite groups spelled out who they were and and it included religion race um uh, sexual orientation gender gender identity gender mm-hmm. expression these things that not gender expression for the hate crimes bill but um these things are for specific groups of people who experience uh hate crimes more often, right? Right. And it covers pretty much everybody, even when you do specify language. What the problem is, is when you strip those those definitions, when you strip those categories away, people don't, uh, judges don't have something definite to look at. Right. And it's up to their discretion. Right. And we know how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, when things are loosey-goosey, um, so what part of that language was taken out of the rec- more recent editions? So any reference to a specific group of okay. people. So uh, actually, I will read the yeah the, amend- uh, the amendment here. Quote, the person committed the offense with bias due to the victim's or the group's real or perceived characteristic, trait, belief, practice, association, or other attribute to the court chooses... Uh, to consider, including, but not limited to, an attribute described in 
and then it um, quotes another part of it. So, which is uh, existing law. Mm-hmm. Um, but existing law doesn't include uh, sexual orientation yeah. and, right. and gender identity. And those things are, those are important yeah. to get identified. So um, we're not exactly sure where this is going. This is Senate Bill uh, 198, and uh, it's currently being argued mm-hmm. as of at least right now when I'm looking at it online. Um, and we also had the damaging... Uh, so for the trans community, mm-hmm. it's really important that people get their IDs. It's the first thing that you pull out of your wallet when you go pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. They want to see your ID. How old are you and who you are, where you're from, right. and they glean all, all this information, how to interact with you. Right. Right. And having an accurate representation of your gender mm-hmm. on there is very important. Incredibly important. Yeah. yeah. So they wanted to... and and what they had put in the language here was they were stripping away gender and they were replacing it with sex and they were defining sex as male or female. And Mm -hmm. they were saying not that you couldn't get it changed, but that you had to go through all this rigmarole of Mm -hmm. getting your birth certificate changed. Right. Which is basically impossible. It's very, 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 very difficult. And I know people have done it. I've done it myself. Right. Um, just very, very hard and probably very, a long process. And if you need an ID like quickly, yes. that'd be and there's, impossible to get. There's actually a clinic going on on Saturday at the okay. School of Law. Oh, here. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's for name and gender marker change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll try to pull up the information if I can. Yeah, we'll put bit. that information on the, uh, on the web post for this episode. Yeah. So if you are looking into it, if you need information about it, if you want to start the process now, um, you can go and and talk to the great people over at the School of Law, mm-hmm. and they have experience, and they will definitely help you on your journey. Now, is the for the gender marker change? So I think there was a law that was quick. We talked about this last week. That was um, quickly, uh, I think, revoked. But um, there was <clears throat> we uh, Indiana passed a law that was that enabled you to change your gender marker on your driver's license to an X instead of M or Correct. F. Um, it, and is that still available for people or? So it wasn't a law. It wasn't, it was just a, a procedural thing. Right. And uh, that's currently still possible. So okay. you can still go in if you have, uh, if you're undergoing treatment with a doctor and you talk to your doctor and, and uh, they feel that this is uh, something that will help you going forward, then they can give you a, a letter mm-hmm. that uh, has certain, meets certain criteria. And you can take that in and get your gender marker changed. That is only in Indianapolis, I believe, right now. Mm-hmm. They can produce those. Okay. So you'd have to but uh, send it send it in, and they will mail it to you, right? Good to know for our genderqueer, non-binary people, people out there. So. Yes. Yeah. And which are a lot. We're talking hundreds of thousands of people in the state. Right. And that's, that's a lot of people. Um, you know, we have 6.7 million people mm-hmm. in Indiana. And for... Several hundred thousand, 300, 400 thousand people. That's, that's, that's a, a real, lot. Yeah. Uh, it's more than the population of Lake County. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I got to talk to a couple of great uh, senators and uh, uh, legislators. One who is, he's, a, uh, he's from Lake County, 
speaking of Lake County, mm-hmm. Chris Chung, he's uh, he's doing he's going gangbusters. He's really been trying to advance LGBT rights. He even has a uh, uh, he authored the bill uh, bill to ban conversion therapy in people under 18. And Senator uh, Ron Alting from Lafayette, mm-hmm. uh, he was actually. Uh, putting in for an amendment uh, <laughs> while we were there meeting for him. We caught him outside the, the door. So he was, uh, he gave us a nice talk and let it, let us know what was going on. It's, it was a great opportunity to be a part of yeah. the community. That's amazing. And thank you for doing that work. Oh, I, I, it, I love it. I, <laughs> I love getting in touch with people and, and talking about this stuff. Now, one thing I really want to pop in before we have to go, and I only got about a minute left, uh, is... I'm hosting a Tough Talks Transgender Issues thing for uh, at the Bloomington Center for Connection. It's for anybody who wants to talk about Western Skateland, bathrooms, uh, uh, and transgender access. And that's going on from uh, on Sunday from um, 3 o'clock until 5 o'clock at the Bloomington Center for Connection, 315 West Dodds, across the B-Line from uh, Hopscotch Coffee, if you know where that is. Good to know. Yeah. And come on in if you are wanting to know more about that if you have uh uh any plans yeah uh, uh i'm gonna try to be there that's so. great so um and even if you're against trans people in the bathroom let's talk you know let's get together it's about community yeah so oh <laughs> that's that's a lot i think you got that's it a lot right? yeah i think you got it we're at the end of the hour right? <laughs> yeah it's about what? about time to wrap it up is up with that <laughs> well we're out of time yeah um blooming out is produced by frankie presloff our executive producer is wfhb news director wes martin lucas fisher is our engineer our volunteer staff member is myself ireland meacham <laughs> thank you for blooming to, for blooming out and wfhb i'm ireland meacham i'm melanie davis and remember if everything was straight roller coasters would be one long boring ride good night from our blooming out family You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is blooming O-U-T at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening.